Hello and welcome to the latest podcast for the BCLA. My name is Karen and together with Fakhruddin we are part of the subcommittee looking after the podcasts. Today we're going to give you an overview of modern contact lens fitting, hashtag technology rocks, and this is ahead of the webinar that's being held on the 19th of April. We're talking to David Burko, who's an optometrist who qualified in South Africa in 1978 and now practices in a private practice in Israel. He decided a few years ago to have a more specialized clinic focusing on optometry and specialty contact lenses, including myopia control and scleral contact lenses. He's a fellow of BCLA and he's honored to be a global ambassador for the BCLA. We're also talking to Brian Tompkins, who is a proud optometrist based in the UK and qualified just before David. He's part of Tompkins Knight and Sons. His main concentration and primary interests are contact lenses. With this, he likes to change lives and having fun whilst doing it. He's a past president and council member of the BCLA. Thank you, David and Brian, for joining us today on this podcast. And, uh, you know, when Kyrin was mentioning when you started to practice, I was just calculating that together, both of you have about six decades of experience in terms of patient care and fitting contact lenses. So thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. And just to kickstart, uh, you know, our discussion, I would like to ask you, Brian, knowing that uh, you you are a good and a very, very high and courage advocate of scleral lenses, uh, apart from everything else in contact lenses. So uh, would you tell us something about what are the latest technology available for fitting scleral lenses today? Well, um, I'm hopefully uh, an exponent. Um, I I stay in my LinkedIn uh, profile an aficionado, basically, because we've both been around a long time and I've been around um, in the contact lens world since my dissertation at university. Um, I, I'd like to think that we work happily with all types of contact lenses, not just sclerals. Um, sclerals, though, are an amazing... Well, they can't be called a new technology because they were the first lenses invented ever. And certainly going back to 1975, 76, we were taking moulding impressions for scleral lenses back in those days. But what's happened since then, of course, is that there have been huge advances primarily in polymer technology and designing capabilities within the lenses. Uh, And to match that really massive advancement in the technology of the lens manufacturer, which I think in the UK we're slightly behind, the Americans were were well ahead of us on this particular curve. But the advancements in technology of the lens has been matched by some amazing instrumentation to help us. Anybody that wants to start in sclerals can begin with their own eyes. You don't necessarily need technology, but the technology of your own vision, linked with experience, linked with tutoring and education, um, has massive advantages in being able to apply a scleral lens or any kind of lens to the eye. So just having a fitting set from a known company, using your own eyes, judging the profile of any cone, for example, if it's a keratoconic eye, um, and you get with experience to judge exactly what's happening with that eye and picking the right lens as a start point to view, utilizing fluoresceine, which is a technology of its own right, and putting that scleral lens into the eye and judging whether it's fitting. Of course, the principle is do not touch the cone, do not touch the cornea, rest the amazing weight-bearing capability of the lens on the less sensitive sclera and conjunctiva. And so ultimately, your own eyes, maybe nowadays a phone, 
certainly a biomicroscope, which some of you know as a slit lamp, but then you wouldn't necessarily tell a patient it's a slit lamp because they've got no idea what you're talking about. So you've got the technologies now coming up with the phone technology, photographic systems, um, capturing video and photographic elements of where that lens is sitting. And so you can kind of go from your own eye to the phonology of the uh, current modern uh, mobile devices, moving through the magnification effects of um, biomicroscopes with cameras attached. And so all of that is, is an easy technology to utilize in scleral fits. But the most, most exciting things coming out, and many have been out for some time now, are the profilometry and the topographic systems that allow a far more accurate prediction of which lenses to apply first. The profilometry devices are corneal for many years, and we're privileged to have a, a, an early 1900s ophthalmometer in our practice. And we've moved up from that to keratometry, to topography. And now, as every technology goes from the initial two millimeter measurement out to 25 millimeters of measurement, the various um, devices around now allow a much greater understanding, a much greater data gathering capability. And that data gathering allows us to share with our colleagues in industry, with our manufacturers of excellent lenses. And they, along with your skill, your technology and your experience can allow you to pick a lens and then essentially put the first one into that patient as an exciting experience one that doesn't hurt isn't uncomfortable isn't the wrong fit so the fewer lenses you're putting in a patient's eye the more pleasant the experience and the more excited they become for wearing lenses going forward for their savior of vision or savior of pain in dry eye cases and Obviously, with all of the profilometry devices out there that David and I both use, um, there are now more advances in the impression techniques. Uh, so uh, things like eye print prosthetics, where you actually take a mold of the eye, um, that mold is now scanned in a 3D way, sent direct to lay technology after design. And so there are so many exciting things that it keeps um, old fogies like myself and David actually wanting to be in practice still. Uh, do you see yourself stopping, David? Because I certainly don't. Oh, there, is, no. there is too much excitement going on yes, and it will not stop getting better and better and better. I'd just like to emphasize uh, what Brian has already said. I, I, I have found, with my experience now, using the new technologies available, I think we are managing to get to the correct fit far quicker than we did before which is less tiresome for the patient, less chair time, and less tiresome for us, which makes the fitting experience far more comfortable for the patient. And, uh, and one sees that the patient gets to a happy and a comfortable fit and good vision far easier than, than I did a few years ago. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I am never afraid to say that enhances our business modeling. That enables us to um, minimize, not, not cut down, but minimize the chair time in the more complex cases. And time is money. And if we can make more efficient profits, because we have to have profitability, then we can invest in greater technology. So it's a beautiful circle of enhancement to the practice. Uh, so don't ever um, be afraid to say that you make a profit in your practice. You may want to buy a nice car, but I want to buy the latest technology for better fitting. So, uh, yeah, there are 
that, that there are no embarrassments of having money in your practice. Absolutely. No, well said, well said. Yeah. So it's more like a vicious cycle. You are doing all of this eventually for the betterment of your patients as well. Not just, you know, you just want to have money and have a big car, but it is going to help your practice grow as well, right? So very, very uh, well said. <laughs> It, 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 it helps your practice grow. It helps your patient database grow. And if you become known for speciality work, people seek you out because, oh, my golly gosh, are these people who are in trouble not communicating with their friends and their fellows? They 100% talk to people who maybe haven't heard of you. So it's a constant stream of referrals from colleagues around the, the, the technology that is social media. That has a technological advancement to ourselves. Right. I, I can say that from my side here, they, for in, instance, in the cases of keratoconus, they have uh, Facebook groups here and I, they are interacting there. I'm, of course, not in the groups, but I'm getting a lot of referrals from the, they tell me they heard about my practice from that group of people, which definitely uh, enhances my practice. That's yeah, and, and never forget, never forget, David, the dry eye patients, yes, because they they often are tragically much more in trouble and they are the ones who really talk to each other yes awesome great so let's just uh, switch gears a little bit and uh, let's know uh, your opinion dr david about the technology in terms of myopia management because we know myopia is now like a hot cake topic being talked uh, globally and everybody talks about myopia myopia progression uh, management so take us through the advancements in the technology in the field of myopia all right, let me just start from the beginning a bit back. I, I feel that today the optometrist should really see himself in the forefront of myopia management, even if he doesn't have the technology available to him yet. But he should be involved uh, in myopia management. If he doesn't want to do it himself, then refer to a colleague. And But those that are involved in it, can begin without the technology now. But from where I am, uh, we have to look at it more seriously because we cannot uh, use drugs. So our problem here where I'm uh, located is even greater because we cannot get an initial refraction uh, done. And uh, the, uh, so we need the help of the ophthalmologist, which of not always available. So I do think we do need the technology and therefore I, as one of the only practices, there might be one or two, uh, have a biometer. Uh, I personally am the first in the country with the Topcon Maya. Uh, for various reasons, I purchased that one, which I can explain. But I think one has to, if you cannot uh, do a, a, a conduct a cycloplegic refraction, you will have to have an instrument to monitor the progression and measure the progression being the axial length. Uh, especially if you're doing orthokeratology, then there's no question. You, you cannot monitor uh, what is happening without measuring the axial length. So I do feel that uh, having a biometer uh, will, will, will g gives me an extra or basic uh, uh, help and understanding where what is happening with the child's myopia, uh, how it's progressing or not. Uh, of course, uh, using uh, the topographer, you can also uh, monitor what is happening on the cornea. 
And now there are new uh, programs in the eaglet, which also can give you a simulated uh, fluorescein pattern of the lens on the eye, the lens you've chosen, uh, and also can give you a maps that you can, when you start, you take the one map and you can compare maps one a year after the other and see the progression. This is available also. I have a, a Medmont topographer and that we can see, we do maps there as well, where we can see the changes uh, that are going on on the cornea with time. So all these technologies help us to monitor the myopic child and if necessary, change the treatment or add some treatments, which gives us a far better result in trying to manage the myopic child. Wonderful. Great. I mean, Any, anything to add on, Brian? Uh, I know you do everything in terms of myopia management as well, but something if you would like to add on. Well, I, I think that every optometrist around the world should be taking part in even the most basic form of myopia management. I mean, that starts with holistic approach of the outside play and maximizing the working distance. So I fully and totally agree that we that have the ability to use the technology and the ability to use the cyclopelagic drugs, et cetera. We're not capable for the atropine in the UK yet, uh, or we are, but it's much more complicated to do. And interestingly, I was at a conference recently with Ian Flickcroft, who is a, a known um, yeah. exponent and expert in, in, in myopia. And he really says that at the moment, we have such amazing capabilities with the technologies of myopia management, optical methods, that we really can go forward now, and there's no excuse not to join in. Now, I am lucky, I have topography, I think we have three in the practice, but I'm even luckier to be working with the Myopia Master, which, you know, along with other technologies such as Myers of Biometry, allowing us to examine children and adults. And I think it's incredibly important, David, I'm sure you agree, that one of the things that we maybe have grown used to using is an OCT. These days, an OCT is much more common. So would you now feel that you could practice without the use of an OCT? I think I wouldn't sleep at night. There's too much likely missed if I didn't have my OCT. Well, it's kind of getting that now with the myopia master and axial length measures, because ultimately um, we look at every child coming through the practice, irrespective of whether they're in for a myopia examination yes. or just a standard eye exam. But we also look at every parent. And that way we're getting a really big database of the axial lengths involved and putting everybody in relation to their peers, to their age group, to the child and watching that progression on the Brian Holden sort of growth chart options that are there. It, it's kind of a joy and so enlightening. We're learning so much as time goes on. And um, you do find that there's quite a lot of variations and differentials in the myopes that you see. And those that are the axial length ones are much more likely to be in trouble than those where there's an element of corneal and lenticular involvement. Uh, and I have some great cases I will try and bring onto the, the webinar itself. Um, so without that technology, uh, again, I'm beginning to feel as if I couldn't practice in the way I would like to. Now, no one so far has mentioned the possibility going forward of one of those myopes not being treated with management techniques, growing up to be a high-powered litigation lawyer and giving his optometrist at the time quite a lot of trouble. There is that potential going forward that we know from Brian Holden's words himself that we know enough to say we must do something. And if those out there are still doing nothing, 
I just think you're in danger of having issues going forward of, of not doing what is currently in the even the British College of Optometrists is saying that you have to mention um, myopia management to a parent, even if it's only discussion. That's right. And Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Yeah, and the World Council of Optometry as well promotes uh, that the primary eye care optometrist uh, must get involved in myopia management. And that is the need of the hour, right? So that's really important. Uh, thank you so much for sharing what's happening uh, in the field of myopia management. And I'm sure that there are bits and parcel of technology in all of the aspects of primary eye care. We just uh, discussed today about scleral lenses uh, and myopia management, but everything what we do as uh, clinicians, as primary eye care practitioners has some involvement of technology. And I'm sure that you're going to bring a lot of this up on the upcoming webinar, uh, which is going to be held on the 19th of April. Uh, the other question which you know I would like to uh, get your opinion on is uh, how has this uh, technology changed the way you practice? So I, I do understand from the conversation we have that it's definitely helped you to get good to your patients. But anything you would like to highlight upon on how this technology has been helpful or beneficial or changed the way you practice? So maybe, Dr. David, you want to go first and then Brian can add on. Well, uh, if, if I will connect it again with the myopia, uh, I do feel that when I talk to the parents, uh, I realize whatever I say, they are going to check, whether they're going to look in the internet and whether they're going to ask. So I do make sure that whatever I say is evidence-based. Uh, and therefore, when I say that one needs to measure, for instance, axial length, I am doing it. Or when I'm uh, uh, telling them of the different treatments, I, they know about it, so that they go home after our discussion, knowing everything as best as possible, and they can have a look around and uh, and check. And then I tell them also come back and ask me more questions if you have, if I haven't clarified anything properly, uh, uh, as far as the myopia goes, and of course as far as fitting contact lenses as well. Uh, I do find that the technology aids me and makes the fitting procedure flow far more comfortably uh, for me and the patient. Wonderful. Uh, Brian, would you like to add on your uh, thoughts? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, every piece of the technology we utilize has now some capability of showing the patient exactly what we're doing. In the old days, just looking down the microscope and saying to the patient, yeah, I can see X, Y, Z, and drawing on a piece of paper, it just doesn't carry the same weight. And describing what's going on is not as effective as showing that picture, which we know paints such a huge thousand words. The picture is worth a thousand words. And that's what Absolutely. we didn't touch, we didn't touch on uh, photo slit lamps, which also is, is aiding us in looking and keeping the data uh, and showing the patient what we have photographed and explaining to them what we see. Exactly. Photo microscope, David. Yes, <laughs> we're a closed we're a closed profession here and we all know what a slip lamp is, but when you talk to the patient they have no idea. Yes, no, it and I think our job and I think our joy and our entertainment to ourselves every single day is that every single picture allows further education for that patient. And that education of every patient, every parent, every body visiting the practice is part of the uh, engenderment of loyalty. Essentially, 
um, having been in practice that long, and I'm sure Dave is the same, um, some of the patients I'm seeing now are the grandchildren of some of the original patients I saw. So we retain our patients. So that technology allows us to educate, enlighten, uh, edutain all of the patients that we see and record, refer, send to our colleagues if we're sending further on, send to the ophthalmologist if that's what's needed, um, using lectures. And that's where a lot of our patients are very proud that I say, this is such a beautiful image. I'm going to take it across the world with me and show my colleagues. And they say, oh, that's exciting. They always ask for commission. I say, well, I don't get any, so you're not going to get any of that. (laughs) But I think one of the biggest factors of current technology, and I kind of said it earlier, is it keeps me interested. Because if we stagnated, we wouldn't want to carry on. We are both, I, I, I think I know David's birth date as well, we are both well over retirement age. We should have been sitting at home with our dog, our pipe and our slippers and generally not doing anything in the world. But are you going to stop, David? Because I sure as hell am not. Definitely not. In fact, I'm looking for the next venture. Absolutely. Exactly. And so that that excitement in whether it's contact lens or myopia management or dry eye management or any of those aspects, if, if we don't get excited, how can we then infuse and, and put that excitement to our patients? So, yeah, technology helps us keep interested, stops us getting bored uh, and stops me having to go to the pub every day. I, I'll just have to do that when I, when I finish. Yeah, so what I hear is, uh, you know, in, in a nutshell, technology keeps the practitioners excited and the patient well-informed and well-educated at the same time. I, I mean, that's that's a very big part and parcel of, of the clinical work that we do, right? Uh, yes, awesome, great. And and one more thing which comes to my mind is, uh, you know, a lot of practitioners, a lot of new practitioners would be kind of listening to the podcast and eventually come to the webinar. Uh, any recommendations or any thoughts you have on how should they embrace this technology to the fullest advantage when it comes to incorporating in their practice or incorporating in their clinical work? So uh, this time I would uh, like Brian to give his thoughts and uh, David can add on this. I would kind of almost like to go back and be a young practitioner now. I wouldn't want to lose the knowledge I have, but I would go back and think because I think it can get more and more exciting. So if you don't go into practice now as a youngster and hug the instruments that you're using, then you're not embracing those instruments and technologies to the best degree. At the moment, we have every aspect of the eye imaged in some way, shape or form, whether it be OCT, B-scan, whether it be ESP, profilometry out to high levels, whether it be topography giving us uh, data centrally as well. Um, It's something that just makes a joy. And if you haven't got a particular piece of technology, I would suggest you go and visit a practice that has it. People say sometimes, oh, I can't afford to buy an OCT, a profilometer. And I would counter that with, you can't afford not to. And, and we haven't mentioned fee charging yet, but you have to embrace your professional knowledge, your education, and charge properly for your fees and your skill set and your current education. And anybody giving away an eye examination, giving away any form of professional measurement that we and David and I do, I think you're in the wrong profession. You should be proud of what you learned. You should be proud of what you're doing and you should be charging accordingly. And that way your profit will go up. And that way you can buy the next technology and the next and the next. And that circle, not a vicious circle, it's a joyous circle. Couldn't have put it better. 
he's Brana said everything. <laughs> he, he has uh, taken us through entire uh, things. I, I think that's really important. Thank you for, you know, kind of sharing that with us because a lot of new uh, practitioners are quite afraid on whether this will be a kind of success if I invest in this new kind of equipment. Do I need that equipment? Uh, should I have it or should I wait for some years and get it when uh, it's time? But I think whatever discussion we had today, it kind of tell us that it is the need of the hour you should be having it and it's all the betterment for you as well as uh for your patients so you cannot keep waiting for the no. next development because it's like any computer as soon as you bought it there's a better one in the shop but ultimately you go for what technology now is important to you and anybody investing in that technology now whatever it may be they become the specialist in their area so they will have more patients attracted to their practice and so that joyous circle continues Yes, this is what differentiates one the one practitioner from the other. Yeah. The level of practice that he's making available to his patients. Correct. Like, be the best. Be the best that you can be. Be the best you can be. Like how people say, when you want to fit orthokeratology, you need to start learning how to fit RGP lenses first. You should know the basics, right? And then. Absolutely learn about auto care and things like that so wonderfully put thank you thank you so much uh, you know both of you uh for joining us today to share your experience and your journey with the use of technology and i know this is probably a certain amount of percentage what uh, you will be you know elaborating during that webinar which is on the 19th of april and i would uh, invite all the listeners to log on to the bcla website and register yourself to attend the webinar where uh, Dr. David and Mr. Brian is going to talk to us about modern contact lens fitting. And as I said, it is going to be on the 19th of April. So take care, everyone. Uh, be safe. And I wish to see you at the BCLA conference as well, which is coming up early in June 2023. Take care, be safe, and bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. BCLA has a wide range of membership benefits and services. If you'd like to find out more and get access to our amazing educational program, including conferences, webinars, online courses, please take a look at our website, www.bcla.org.uk. There are a variety of membership options and you can access to all of these benefits within moments of signing up. Look forward to seeing you.